We'd like to thank our sponsor, SLC Guitar, for another sweet guitar riff. Welcome to another episode of Build with Breen Homes, where we talk all things construction, business management, and just have a good old time behind the microphone. Mr. Breen, how are you doing today, sir? What's going on, brother? All the good stuff. Nothing bad whatsoever. Yeah. That's kind of nice, you know. Coming out of the holidays, I guess. For sure. Like I, we um, talking futuristic coming out of the holidays or are we coming out of the holidays? <laughs> I'm just trying to stay positive <laughs> as, as much as I can right now. Holidays are always hard for me. Just so much to do and get done in uh-huh. a short amount of time. But thank God my wonderful wife <laughs> helps me out immensely with uh, gifts and, and, and all things holidays. You so. ever think, uh, I, I've had this, this same train of thought before, but like whether you hunker down and get all of it done or not, like it will come and go and next year will show up. Yep. Like it, it keeps yep. ticking. So why does it, there's kind of sometimes a point where I'm like, why do I, why do I cause this own stress? Why do I like boil my blood over this stuff? Like yeah. it shows up when the holiday shows up, it goes on to the next year, you move forward with it. On to the so next. What? On to the next. So don't stress about it, man. Just kick back and enjoy. Yeah, I try. <laughs> I try, but I don't know. It's just my nature. I'm getting better at it as I get older, or maybe I just don't care as much. I've anymore. heard a little bit more rum and your eggnog would help too. <laughs> <laughs> Probably some scotch. Listen, hot toddies I heard are there you amazing. Go. I've heard for that. stress. Yes. There you go. Something in the in the tea, the herbs maybe. in there. Yeah, maybe that's what it yeah. is. <laughs> it's the tea. <laughs> <laughs> something in the tea. I think it's something in the tea. Oh man. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. So I was speaking of hot toddies. I was having a beverage. Last <laughs> You're going to get a spun off topic <laughs> real quick. Or it doesn't help. I'm looking out the window at this mountain and been like, I could, I should be hiking that ridge right now, you know, to come ski down it. And then you start talking hot toddies. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, man, those things are amazing. They're absolutely amazing. <laughs> But I got to thinking about next year quite a bit. And my wife had mentioned, are you going to do like a New Year's resolution? And I was like, yeah, I doubt it. But I don't know. This year might be the year to do that. So I got to thinking about you. And could you or do you have a New Year's resolution, one? And two, what would you say would be the most important thing in achieving your new year's resolution got it yeah I, are you a, are you a resolutioner that's what i call them at the gym the, the resolutioners uh, i really want to say no but <laughs> i think i am yeah maybe a little bit but maybe not you know i i kind of I, let's i i would say i'm a closet resolutioner okay. right okay i uh, i don't like to i'm going to say write it down I, i'm going to use that term very loosely though i don't like to like write it down of like i have to do this this is my goal for the year. But by all means, I mean, 2023, the new year, whatever that hits, it is a time to set some new goals and look forward to the year. For sure. You know, so when I say I'm a closet resolutioner, I think I am somebody that from a mind frame, I go, yeah, it, it's a it's a time to come out of the holidays, start to jump into some new goals for the year, have a fresh mindset, maybe hit reset and, and get going again. So yeah, I I am a goal setter. I am an achiever when it comes to that that personality type. 
This year, top of mind to answer your question number two, top of mind has just it's rang over me. And I I think it falls back to the last few months of of the Ironman training that I did. Mm-hmm. That just this thought of consistency has hit my mind of staying fresh, keeping in tune, having consistency, and no matter what it is, no matter what you do, success can dive into consistency really quick, really easily. Consistency. Tell me more about that. Yeah, man. I mean, this is a topic we really should spend some time and explore on because it really, when the base, when you fall back to the base principle of consistency in your life, you tend to find success, right? I mean, think of anything in your life that needs focus, concentration, uh, you know, growth. Let's maybe take it into the, the world of the book, The Secret. Anything that you can start to put readily at the front of your mind and consistently think about it, you can seem to find ways to make that happen, right? You know, so I, I don't know, I haven't formulated, you know, going into the new year here, exactly what my goal will be for the new year. Okay. But I can say the principle and the commitment to consistency, whatever that is, will help me find that success. Okay. And so where I'm really kind of starting to hammer down on and start to put that focus on is what, what do I want to focus on for 2023 that is consistent, that will help the business survive into a recession? You know, and I, okay. I think the belief for me is consistently show up to do what we know how to do our job, you know, our, our, whatever it might be, the process that we're trying to focus on. Mm -hmm. If we can just as a team, as a, as a company find consistency in what that is, we will plow our way right through 2023. And suddenly we'll be sitting at the same time next year with a blink of an eye going, what are we doing for the holidays? Right. And that's so earlier, you know, we, we kind of joked about Christmas comes and it goes, no matter whether you're ready or not, right? It consistently comes. So as long as you're doing the things that you needed to be doing and focusing on consistently growing that, you seem to find that success. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a topic that we can explore in, in all aspects. And I have some, some maybe pointers of what consistently I've done in my life over the past few months, past few years, that have stemmed into successes. Okay. You know, but uh, yeah, I mean, to, to go back to goal setting, I think that's my big focus this year. That's the word that has just popped in mind over the last, you know, three months of like constantly it's there. It's consistently there. Consistently you know? there. <laughs> okay. So yeah. I say we dive into that a little bit. So I'm going to ask you a question. And first thing that comes to your mind, you have to speak on. No, here we go. Okay. This is, this is going to be an interesting <laughs> one. In the last few months, You've been think trying to come up with goals. Tell me what the first goal that comes to your mind that you set for yourself. For yourself. For myself. For Are yourself. we talking personally or business? Personally. For yourself. Consistent balance. Mm. I'm always going after balance in life. Okay. Like that that is always a personal goal. I like that. Of how do I just constantly have an even balance that just rounds my life out, you know? Okay. Um I tend to be a workhorse in so many ways, but I've also, you know, I live and breathe by the work hard, play hard motto. Right. I, I mean, you know me, I get out on vacation. Yeah. I have a lot of, of, uh, of passions in life that I chase mm-hmm. and I seem to find ways to fit them all in, you know, but you can't burn too much of your time on just work. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, that, that's not what your life's all about to have success and have all the money in the world and all the fame in the world. Does that really bring you happiness? You know, and so I think if we just take the big life journey, this gets into my more Zen yoga side. Mm-hmm. If we take the big life journey, 
it is really about fulfillment and happiness. And the only way to do that is to have balance in your life between you know, love, loving relationships, family, friends, right. uh, success in life, not necessarily financially, but can be financially, you know, but success for yourself, you know, being proud of what you achieved, you know, having something to work towards our goal. These are all things that you have to bring together to bring like an, an even balance in your life. And so for me, when I say like a consistent balance, if you're looking for like a lifelong achievement of goal, it really is proper balance in life. I like that. That's a great answer. That was a great answer. Huh. Okay. Next one. What would your goal be for your company? For 2023. Correct. Efficiencies. Okay. We have, Man, we have grown and I know, all right. Like it's obviously I've put some thought into this, you know, going into the new year, I'm going to step back a little bit here. We keep hearing 2023 is recession. Recession is coming on. Right. Recession is coming. I mean, Every morning, whether it's news radio, a podcast on economy, listening to the world news, it's like recession is looming. It's going to hit us. And sometimes I, I sit back and go, is it? Mm -hmm. We know we're going to have some sort of effect going into 2023, right? right? But like, is it already hitting us? Has it hit us? Is it going to hit us? Mm -hmm. Is this how hard is, it is this mainstream media like pumping it to us to try to slow down inflation? Pop a grand out. Right. Like, yeah. I, I don't I really don't know. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I, I'm stepping back into my bubble and saying we took 2020, 2021, 2022 as growth years, and we were able to uh, bring in the right finances that allowed us to grow the company with employees and processes and systems that I put a freeze on it earlier, 2022 of no more hiring. Let's now refine those processes and create the efficiencies back to a well-ran machine. Yeah. So really my goal of 2023 is saying as we we doom and gloom recession, mm -hmm. find ways to go back to take the processes we've created, use the employees' skills to refine the efficiencies and be really efficient at what we're doing. That'll be our big goal for 2023. Great answer. Okay. Here's here's another one. Now this one might be the curveball. <laughs> if you were a client that was getting ready to go down the journey of building their own home, mm -hmm. first custom home, what advice would you give them as goal setting for that coming into the new year? It, is, it really is a good question. Off the cuff, mm -hmm. the advice that I would give them uh, is to bring on, and, I, and I, I tell this to clients all the time, bring on the right team that you can trust and communicate with. So oftentimes I always fall back to, you know, maybe it's my sales process. It's a belief in what we do. You have to trust the team you're bringing on and you have to learn to effectively communicate with that team. And the reason I say those are kind of my two big focuses for the clients is clients, when they, when they decide to venture down this path, whether it's a, a, a you know, a one year or a four year or even longer custom build, they tend to, it just engulfs their life, right? Like it's the biggest purchase they're ever going to make. It's a huge move. There's a ton of focus and time and energy and money that goes into this that oftentimes clients tend to gravitate away from their current life, work-life balance, personal life balance, whatever it is, and start to put all that focus on the new and shiny thing, the house they're building. Yep. And we as contractors are oftentimes saying, 
no, you go do what you're good at. You go make money. Mm-hmm. You go manage your family. You go travel because that's what has brought you to this point in life to be able to afford to build a custom home. Right. And that's the balance that you've started to enjoy in your life that you've got to bring on the right team and you've got to trust that you have the right team that we are managing your project, your finances, your job correctly. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to learn to effectively and efficiently communicate with us because over that one to two, three years, we're going to have highs and lows, good times and bad times, times that we fight and argue like a married couple and times that we're absolutely in love with each other. Mm-hmm. So like we've got to learn to communicate those good and bad times together so that we can work through this process together. So really, I think for most clients, I tell as you leave, I know you're going to go shop another custom home builder. Mm-hmm. Do it. I would encourage it. And at the end of the day, hire someone that brings on the right team that you trust and can and communicate well with. Jay, would you say the consistency of the communication process is very important? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. You know, again, people want to know what they can expect mm-hmm. and that falls back to consistency. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, we're, we're kind of hitting a lot of like the, the surface of a lot of really big topics right now. Yeah, for sure. I come back down to two different types of communication, active communication and passive communication. There should be some sort of communication that happens on a daily basis with your clients, whether it's active or passive, they should feel that consistency of communication coming back to them so that they feel informed. And really, if you're telling your client, hey, listen, client, you go and do what you're good at. You go make money, work your job. Mm. You know, if it's balancing your life to keep you happy of travel, uh, sports and activities, chasing other passions, being with your family, whatever that is, you go do that and you let us do what you hired us to do, which that's what they're coming to us for, right? Right, for sure. But if I'm not giving you that information back to continue to reinforce that relationship that you can trust us Mm -hmm. through communication, then I'm failing as a contractor. You know, so again, I go back to that. That communication has to be consistent, whether it's active or passive, you know, and we could get into, I think that's a whole nother topic of the difference between active and passive communication. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like clients should constantly be checked in with and informed of what's going on in their project, right? I mean, you as a contractor, a general contractor are taking one, two, three, four, 10, 20, 30, hundred million dollars and managing that for a client. You better be communicating with them what you're doing with it, right? Absolutely, right. You know, yeah. So for me, it is that consistency and, you know, giving them what they can expect. If you're consistently, let's say, actively communicating with the client, when I say active communication, that's phone call, text message, you know, email. I'm direct me to you. Mm-hmm. So if I'm consistently doing that every single day, and then all of a sudden I just stop for a week, what happens? You start getting a little nervous. Client goes, uh, "You you okay?" Right. Yeah. They they might send an email that you don't respond to. Mm-hmm. The next day they they maybe shoot a text like, "Hey man, you doing okay?" Right. Then they start the phone call mm-hmm. like, "You out of town or?" Did mm-hmm. I not know about something? <laughs> Immediately, you've here? now gapped. So that consistency is so important. Right. You really got to create whatever system you have in place for it and then follow that consistency all along the way. Okay. That makes total sense. That example yeah, that hits home. Yeah. Totally yeah. hits home. Because I can't tell you how many times you know, I've gotten to a rhythm with something or some sort of service I was getting. And then all of a sudden, you know, crickets. Yeah. They're like, what the hell? Did I miss something? I start checking. Why am I not getting the spam email anymore? (laughs) (laughs) I miss it. I miss it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I used to hate it. Now I don't get it anymore. Yeah, it's it's um, it's definitely kind of hits home, and it definitely makes you think a little bit. Like, did I miss something? Yeah. Did you know whoever I'm working with? Did they fall off the face of the earth? Like, what what exactly is going on? And I could see a client being very concerned with that, and then peppering with calls, emails, right. you know, even drop bys and stuff. Would you consider that being unprofessional for a client to just pepper when they feel like something is up? Would you consider that being unprofessional? And what would you say would be the best way to handle a situation like that? You know, I think there's gray area because if, if I have a, if I stop actively communicating with a client mm -hmm. and then they in true concern, whether it's the concern of the, the process and their project or just concern for you as an individual, if they're in true concern reaching out going, hey, what is, are you, you okay? Right. You there? What? I haven't heard from you for two or three days. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a, a negative or a positive. I just think it's a gray area, you know, depending on how they're coming at you. Right. People tend to display emotion in so many different ways. You know, a lot of people that get really excited yeah. as they're finishing out their custom home, they're excited to move into it. They start to display emotion very negatively. Right. Stress starts to hit them. We're moving. We're finally finalizing out our bill. It's getting very expensive. We've got to pull our kids and put them in a different school. And now this whole closeout process is a cluster. This sucks, right? right? And it's not necessarily because the process has sucked. It's because they're now, they, they have these stresses in their life from excitement. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's being portrayed very negatively. Mm -hmm. Right? So this is a lot of times where contractors come into like the psychological therapist part of the job. You know, I, right. I tell clients all the time, I, I can be a, you know, a mediation person. I can be a therapist. I can be a financial advisor. I can be your general contractor. I can be your best friend. I'm going to be everything over the next year or two that we're involved in on this. Right. So coming back to, to really that question of like, is it a bad thing? No, but this is where I believe passive communication can be your best friend. It truly can be your best friend. If you're actively communicating with a client and you go on vacation, it's a slow time of year. Uh, the job slows down due to due to let's say like a, a city issue mm -hmm. uh, or an inspection, you know, or a scheduling issue, an ordering issue, whatever it is. And suddenly you don't need to have that active communication right. daily, weekly, monthly, whatever it is. Then passively, as long as your system is communicating with that client, mm -hmm. saying we are still proactively working on your job, there's a reason you're paying us, I shouldn't have to be so tuned into daily active communication. Do right? you so, set that expectation? Yeah, though? absolutely. And right. this goes kind of together with your whole team. Mm -hmm. So me personally, I may not communicate with my clients every single day. I may show up to a, a monthly walkthrough where I see them in person once a month. And they go, oh, Adam, it's so great to have you here. But they're actively seeing my project manager for sure weekly, if not multiple times a week. Yeah. They're actively communicating via email and text message with my, my staff in office. You know, So they're getting a lot of active communication. As a job slows down and they may not be saying, hey, we need information out of you as a client or we need a walkthrough with you as a client. They're now just getting emails from our, our Builder Trend software mm -hmm. that says, Scheduling has changed. To-dos have been assigned. Purchase orders have been issued. Uh, daily logs have been in report. They're starting to see that we're still actively working on their job. We just don't have anything we need to tell you today. Right. And so the same thing goes if they go on vacation and they suddenly stop communicating for a week. 
as long as they're being fed that information consistently, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then they still feel like there's a value in what you're creating for them, right? right. You know, so I don't think it's wrong for a client to, to act off if you haven't communicated with them for a while, mm -hmm. but I can tell you the way to curb that is to continue passively communicating with them. Got it. Yeah, so I tell a lot of clients, I think we talked uh, recently about a friend that was building a job with another contractor and they ran into a struggle because he was old school. Yeah. And his old school way was when he met them on job, it wasn't consistently set up. It was when he met them on job, he would give them an update of this is what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. But then every day he was proactively working on the job, scheduling trades, dealing with contracts, making payments, moving things around. But he didn't have a way to passively communicate that to the client. And the client wanted the communication knowing that stuff was moving forward on the job. Yeah. So then they started reaching out to him going, well, what is going on with the schedule? What is going on with the finances? What is going on with, you know, the changes, the punch list, the move-in date? When are we going to close? So I'd ask him all these questions. And he, in turn, gets annoyed mm -hmm. saying, I am, I am doing this stuff. Why should I have to do it all day for my job and then actively communicate it to you later and redo that job? Right. Right. So this is why I say it's so important to have some sort of passive communication to your client to whereas you do your job, that software, what we use, Builder Trend, right. can then communicate that to your client without you having to actively communicate it. Right. Right. So then it saves active communication for the things that you really need to be solved on right then and there. The important things. Yeah, exactly. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. So something that is constantly updating that your clients have access to one way or another, where it's shooting an email or they can right. log into it and see it compared to, okay, we need a decision on this. Like right now, I'm going to save totally. this for our Monday meeting totally. type of deal. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a difference between emergency communication. Yeah. Something's going on. We need to know right now. Yeah. You know, and when we say emergency, don't just immediately go to like fire, right. flood. Mm -hmm. It could be like, man, guys are here. We don't have the clear details of what's going on. I need an answer right now. I don't want to slow the process down. Mm -hmm. But emergency, that needs to happen right away. Phone call. Just call the client. If you need to get them on job site, ask them. Right. You know, we we upfront tell a lot of our clients, you know, plan on this taking some time out of your life. This is one of the biggest financial purchases you'll ever make. Mm -hmm. Take the time to do it. And then just weekly active communication. Save okay. that question for our Tuesday meeting. Okay. You, know, you don't need to call me on a Saturday. Save that question for Tuesday's meeting. If you want to text it to me, I'll put it on a list. I may not respond. We'll talk about it on Tuesday. And then roll into just that passive day-to-day. -day. Now, again, we use a software. It doesn't, you don't have to have a software. I almost call it the wife test. Um, we okay. joke about the wife test a lot. Don't take offense to what it is. But if I can't get, let's say, a TV and a remote to work within like three buttons, I'm over it. Right. And when I say work, it doesn't mean that if I'm trying to watch Disney Plus within three buttons, that has to kick on Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. But I want to know that when I push one of three buttons on the remote, something happens on the TV. Yeah. I want to know that there's a that that that's working. Yeah. If it doesn't pass a wife test, it won't ever work. So if something doesn't happen in three buttons. So the same thing goes back to like a software. If I get on to let's say a shared drive folder, a Dropbox, Google Drive, something like that, and I can't see changes that were made within a few clicks, then it's going to fail. No one's going to look at it. Right. You know, but that doesn't mean you have to use a full management software like Builder Trend, you know, or Co-Construct. You could still use Google Drive, Dropbox, Google Calendars, something that just shows that client that things are being done. Right. We're actively working on your job. 
you know, and as long as that client can log on and within three clicks see that something is happening and that something's changed, mm-hmm. they actually feel like you're doing your job. So I love this concept. Let me try to throw you another curveball on this one. <laughs> so for your subcontractors, you are a client of your subcontractors, correct? Is there a subcontract that you can think of right now that has some sort of software to keep you informed or does a really good job at keeping you informed of their schedule, their hangups, what's happening on that project, you know, the the next project that's coming in line where their schedule is lining up with your schedule, keeping you well informed so then you can in turn keep your clients well informed. Well, I guess your team well informed of what's happening. Do you have, do you have, or can you think of a subcontractor without saying their name that is very, (laughs) very good at that? Yeah, I do. Um, But I kind of want to address the first way you started that. Like I've never really thought with a subcontractor as me being the general contractor, being the client, Right. right? That's an interesting thought. I, that's something I want to expand on in the future. Maybe not today, yeah. um, but I often feel like they're my client with the way we communicate and and the way we we tend to like struggle through some of these contract processes. I feel like we are we're, we treat them as the client, you know, begging for their attention. At the end of the day, we we really are the client. But set that aside. Let's have the discussion later. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, there are. I probably only have a number of contractors, subcontractors that I can count on one hand that have some sort of software or follow-up process that is really good in following up to an email, getting us bids and estimates, following into a contract and and giving us something that gives us their schedule of where they're at. And whether it's a, a software or whether it's just a process that they use to communicate with us of how they respond to emails, what they put out there. We really only have a handful and we pay a premium for that. Absolutely. I mean, the, the companies I'm thinking of off the top of my head, I know we pay additional for, but they're just so good at it that we don't fight it a lot of the times. You know, and they're fair. They're just on the upper end threshold of fair. They're still fair in their pricing. What do you mean upper? When I say like, let, let's take, for example, uh, you know, tile. I'm just throwing this one wildly out there. If tile right now going rate on a floor install for labor on tile and setting material is between, let's say, $5 and $10 a square foot, we may be paying our our contractor if they have a really good system in place that $8 to $10 a foot. But it's because we know that they're going to be efficient and effective in what they're doing based on previous jobs, their communication and estimating contracting the amount of material we need they just have it put together okay. versus maybe we bring on a new guy and he's down at that six dollars a foot mark but it's a total cluster we order way too much material their billing isn't straight they constantly are sending change orders and at the end of the outcome we end up at seven dollars and fifty or seven dollars and seventy five cents a square foot mm-hmm. and it was a total cluster we lost time okay. right okay so yeah i mean we do have some but it's not it's not common let's put it that way I'm assuming that you as a contractor would appreciate something, some sort of throughout the industry, more communication on 
before, during, after, you know, moving into the next type of uh, projects period from any of your subcontractors. Oh, totally. We were just, just last night, uh, end of the day, I was sitting down with my accountant and we were going over kind of a wrap up audit of the year and looking at uh, some questions that he had on just how our, our system puts through the accounting. Mm. And 99% uh, of his questions were, how can we have a contract in for this amount and we paid the subcontractor this amount different. Mm -hmm. It was just a difference in contract. Some were less than contract, some were more than contract. But as dumb as it was, it just causes the hiccup of, wait, why did we contract for $50,000? And why did we only pay 45,500? Because now we've got an accounting error of how do we credit right. the $500 or spend the $500? It is dumb as that is, it's just, do what we planned on you doing. We asked you to bid the work. Mm -hmm. We will pay you X for Y. Mm -hmm. Do it. We will pay you Y. Mm -hmm. And yet when we constantly have these changes, change orders, underbillings or overbillings, it, it screws up the system. Right. You know, and yet it really is 80% of my subcontractors. And even then we go, okay, we know we've got a system in place or we contract at X, the job changed, the scope of work changed. So now we got to bill Y just get an approved change order put through so that that contract, that updated contract is in place. We It's near impossible for us to get that to happen out of 80% of our trades. You know, 20% do a good job with it. 80% right. is really hard. And then you wonder why it becomes frustrating when they went, well, we, only, we built you $150 less. And you're like, it's not about the $150. It's the process that we have to get there. Whether we're projecting out to a client a finalized cost, we're trying to close out the job. We close out a job four or five months ago, we still to this day have bills like rolling in on it. What? And I'm like, guys, we closed, we closed this job out. Like when right. I say closed out, that doesn't mean client moved. Client moved in six months ago. We closed the job out a month afterwards. So we kind of say, hey, we always know we're going to have a last minute, you know, cleaning bill pop in, window cleaning, whatever it is. Just be aware, 30 days after your job, we'll send a final invoice, final draw will be done. Right. So we project a lot of that and we go through and we do our account audit for the job and say, you know, do is there still money owed on contracts? Is there something we weren't clear of? You know, let's close those all out. Let's get the final draw. Let's turn that in. Then we can release our pre-lien on the job, close it out. Client's done. We've moved on at that point. We're now in a warranty phase. And five, six months later, we still see invoices coming in from subcontractors saying, oh, well, it's the end of the year. We forgot to bill this. So what do you do? Is it like as a business owner in that scenario, I get you know, a $1,200 bill. Mm -hmm. Six months after a job closes, the client is done, paid out and gone. We're on a cost plus contract. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I just have extra money sitting in that account. Right. And I get a bill that comes in and the, the trade says, oh, well, we did this. We didn't bill it. We did the end of the, our end of the year audit and we did the work. So you owe the money. Right. What do you do? I just spend an extra $1,200 out of my pocket. Yeah, the, I don't have a plus market upon it. Plus, I pay the twelve hundred dollars. Like I yeah. lose yeah. a backside on something. I, like that. I am asking the question, and this happens. Yeah, how, how what regularly. do you do with that? I, I mean, honestly, like I, I try, I try really hard to reason. Mm -hmm. But this is why I say it's kind of funny you made the comment that we are. I'm the client of the subcontractor. Absolutely, because I get an invoice, and my first response is like, "Well, hold, hold on, hold on. Why are we seeing this now?" Right. 
you did the work on that job eight months ago. We closed it out six months ago. Mm-hmm. We sent final invoicing five months ago. Why now? Oh, well, we just did an account audit and realized that it was owed. Right. Sorry, but I would never send that bill to my client. Ever. Never. <laughs> Ever. Not a chance right. in hell. Right. I would look at it and go, guys, what did we do wrong? Why are we doing it? Right. We just lost that $1,200. Exactly. Immediately mark it off. Right. So I feel pretty justified when my response back is, guys, the job's closed out. What do you want me to do with this? I typically feel like in those scenarios that because I appreciate and value the relationships I have with subcontractors, mm-hmm. even the ones that do that, because mm-hmm. we all get caught behind, mm-hmm. we all make mistakes, that a, a justified response of, hey, I tracked it down in my office. You know, we screwed up. We lost the invoicing. We did something wrong. My cost on that is $300. Hmm. That's how I would respond if I first had the balls to send an invoice like that. Sure. Right. I would probably fall back and say, hey, where, where are my costs out of pocket? Can you just cover that? Mm-hmm. But I, I'll, I'll be dead ass honest. We often get a response of, well, yeah, but we did the work. Money's due. Wow. And then what? shitting me. Yeah, then what? And I, I, I will like... There's been times I drag and drag and drag paying that invoice just at that point to then be a dick. Yeah. It's like you drag billing me. And number one, my process and system, and we really have it in our subcontractor's contract yeah. that says if you don't have a contract signed before showing up on the job, mm-hmm. then you you are deemed for us to pay you whatever we want to pay you. Mm-hmm. Whatever we have budget for the job, we'll pay you on that. You can be done. Figure it out from so there. if you've set foot on that job, you haven't signed a contract with us, there's no contract in place. Yeah. Further, if there's changes to the original contract, a change order, if you don't have that approved in writing through a project manager or Adam, mm-hmm. you will not be paid on that change order. So if we've agreed to a $25,000 contract, you get on the job, you run into some electrical issues, it becomes an extra $2,000. Just get that approved through your project manager. It's really horrible. that simple. That yeah. way, as we close out the job, yeah. we can say, hey, we, we owe this electrician an extra two grand. Bill it out on the final bill. We're done. You're happy. We're all good. Right. But nine times out of 10, no one bills it. No one says anything to it. They tell the, they tell the project manager, like, yeah, well, we had to move the wiring. We had to change the layout of the cans because of the interior designer. But they never quote a price, so he doesn't get into a change order. Right. And then we close out the job and, oh, six months later, by the way, you owe two grand. Remember, we told your project manager that we had to move this stuff. And this happens. I had one year. You'll laugh. This this is all like negative. I hate to be this negative. <laughs> I had one year, probably six or seven years ago, where it was, luckily, it was a spec home project that we had done very well on. And I'm, I'm going to be like open and honest. It took out every single dime I made. I received an invoice from a siding subcontractor. It was probably eight months after the job was closed out, done, and gone. Mm -hmm. Two spec homes that we did side by side. It was $47,000. You're kidding me. Mm -hmm. I received it in December. Mm -hmm. They were closing out their billing for the year. Right. We'd closed out the job in, I think, either March or April. Okay. And I went, what are you talking about? No, this was before we had our construction management software. I typically now, because of this, do an audit and say, is there anything that just looks fishy off? Yeah, like we yeah. didn't pay. Yep. Oh man, we didn't pay any exterior concrete. And I know we did some exterior concrete. We mm-hmm. should track that down. Mm-hmm. This was before then. It was just kind of bill as we go. And I got this bill. And I reached out and did the game of like, 
Why eight months later? How can we work this out? That job's closed out. Investors have been paid out. Job's completely done. Mm-hmm. You're literally asking me to write you a $47,000 check out of my account. And at the time, the the trade partner, the subcontractor I was working with kind of said, yeah, money's due. We spent money in materials. You know, let's just work out a monthly payment system. And I'm like, okay. Right. Again, how, how do you not blow your mind? It's like, yes, the work got done, but. Right, right? For sure. For sure. So, dude, we, we spent a couple weeks emailing back and forth, and I could quickly see the attitude was we're not really going to help you out on future jobs that we're already contracted on mm-hmm. because we've got this lingering cloud over here above us. Right. So the week before Christmas, I cut a $47,000 check. That's insane. Right. That's insane. Yeah, so I don't know. All right, man. This is amazing discussion right now. I'm like stupid into it. So I think what we should probably do is just make this a part two. Yeah, man. You know know me. You get me talking, I'm going to keep going. So if we're hitting the time, let's start a a part two. (laughs) 